I want to introduce myself. My name is Sandy Gabbard, and I, uh, right now I am an owner administrator at Treehouse Child Care and two child care locations. Um, one's in uh, Colerain Avenue in Cincinnati, and the other one's in Harrison, Ohio, uh, which is in our Cincinnati's uh, southwest of our Cincinnati area. We started in 2006 in Colerain. I work at the district office for about 10, uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying district, network, forgive me. It's an old habit of ours. <laughs> um, so I worked there for about 10 years with the uh, Brother Crabtree, and then, um, if, if some of you remember that, and then uh, Superintendent Clay when he was there. And then, uh, long story short, my husband had passed away uh, while I worked at the office uh, suddenly, and that was in 2002. I stayed on for a few more years to try and get through that, figure out what I needed to do, and that whole changed my life. But my family was not here. I missed them. And um, so after about three years praying, I went ahead and moved back to Cincinnati, is where I'm from. Um, my parents were getting older, and I needed to be with them and uh, be with my daughter. I had a son in Akron and another daughter and son-in-law who were youth pastors at that time, but going on the mission field. And I don't know if anybody knows Paul and Crystal Burkhart. Um, so that's I'm Crystal's mother. So um, they're in Alaska now. So I've got to go to Thailand and Laos, and then I've got to go freezing in Alaska. You know, but it's been a great adventure, and I enjoy going there and seeing them and uh, as much as I can. Um, so that's kind of the journey there. And now uh, we have our Colerain location that we started in 2006, and then uh, in 2013. We acquired the child care center at our church at Harrison Assembly of God. It was not doing well, and uh, and that's where I started at back in 1975. So if you start adding the years, you'll realize that I'm a bona fide Medicare cardholder. <laughs> and um, so then um, it was just uh, difficult, you know, but I knew I was in child care before. God just kind of turned my heart back around to do that. It was easy for me to do the child care part. I'd already done it. I was already an administrator and knew that, the regulations and that. But to start my own business uh, was a whole different uh, matter. And do it as me being responsible instead of the church being responsible. You know. And um, But at any rate, it all got to work out with the pastor, our pastor, our board, and that's my whole church. And the Lord just kind of worked that out that I said, how about we take over the daycare, make it Treehouse Child Care Harrison, and you collect the money and I take all the trucks. Isn't that a good deal? <laughs> Who's a pastor in here? Any senior pastors? Okay. So that would be a good deal for you, right? That's right. You know, so uh, it's been a great uh, acquisition. And the church family has been 100% supportive, and uh, it's been an amazing journey. So that's been be five years in November. Uh, so time flies by. So in the meantime, I looked at a lot of that and uh, had learned a lot of things. Um, 
what I want to do right now as I introduce myself is kind of go into something for you. Uh, try to pop up and say, or just out loud, where you're from, what you do. Where you're from, what you do. Rob Banks, and uh, past kids, life coach, and engineer. Okay, good. Go ahead. Laura Banks, and I'm from Columbus, and I work at Nationwide. Columbus. Columbus. <laughs> Mickey Fox, and I'm retired, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> uh, Patrick Mitchell, I'm the pastor of the Assembly of York. Okay. Jim Gibbons, uh, Deacon at the Gregory Assembly. Okay. Leah yeah, Engel, I'm a career assembly guy. Okay. Career operations manager. Okay. Matt Berger from Harvest Ridge Church in Richardsville. Uh, okay. Dale Plain, Associate Pastor at Bethel Christian in Parma. Okay. Love the churches we know because we worked at the office back in the day. So we're like, oh yeah, but now we can't remember who's there and who's not there. <laughs> um, and Jeff, what do you want? Gavin Walker, Classic House of Christian Fellowship, and Walker Eccles. A big one, L. I'm from Harvest Ridge, and uh, I work with Jonathan. Okay, great. Hi, Melissa Wood, Assistant Pastor at Rural Daily United Methodist Church, South Zanesville, um, and Foster Care and Adoption Specialist. Okay, great. She's Teresa Hall, Coffee, Ohio. I'm in retail and child care, and I'm on the board of I lead the single ministry of the Okay. Wayne Reeves from Bethel Christian in Dayton, Ohio. And uh, the representative of the Dayton area and board member. Okay. Chloe Butts from Bethany Assembly of God. I'm a brand new novelist and life coach. Awesome. Dio Kohler, Lighthouse Christian Fellowship in Kyle Falls, Youth Pastor. Okay, great. Good morning. I'm Maria Susio, Bethany Assembly of Uh We work throughout church to the Philippines, and I'm a Christian woman. I'm really. That's awesome. Alyssa Turner, pastor at Lighthouse in Okay. Then Nolan Taylor, Secretary of Francis and Air Pastor. Okay. James Whitney, I work as a nurse, but switch church, and do all the ministry as a pastor. Okay. 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 So do you get a lot of jokes about being smart? <laughs> Tammy Smart is very smart, right? <laughs> Not to put you on the up there. Okay, so you all can stand up and take that blind piece of paper. If I stand up, take the blind piece of paper, and I want you to put your thoughts in that of what you expect to get out of uh, just take your thoughts, okay. put them on the paper, imagination. That's what Disney's all about. 
you know, so got to use those examples. And just put those thoughts on your paper, and then I want you to wad it up. Come on, you know you want to do that. How many times did you want to wad paper up in school? Okay? Now, but you're not going to throw it at the teacher. (laughs) You can do it if you want. But just take that and just throw it at somebody. Doesn't matter. Just toss it, throw it. You don't have to hurt somebody. Oh, yeah. Hey, yay. Anybody catch any? Almost. Okay. All right. Thank you. You may have a seat. All right. Introduction. Now, I see a lot of things out of, uh, I've been on church boards, uh, I've been in church administration, I was most senior pastors, administrative assistant, uh, superintendent's administrative assistant, so I go from business to church, so these are all interconnected and related and can be applied for either one. Uh, every pastor and church board needs to see and run the church as a business. It is a ministry. It really is a ministry, but you have to see it as a business. You're taking a small group of people, uh, however small or large you may have started. And you may be in a building, you may be in a storefront, you may start in um, another church and start there, and they're mothering you. But you're an entity, and you're taking that, and your vision is obviously to grow it. Our job, our ministry, what we want to do is reach people. In child care, we want to reach parents and children. We want to grow. We want to be successful. Uh, we want to be able to reach that child and make a difference in them, nurture them, help them grow. And also the parents that come along with that. But when you take that church, that is a business. You're, you're acquiring financial assets. Either the district's helping you, either, or the network's helping you, uh, you're receiving funds, people's tithes, their money. So they're believing in you to take that money and do the best to run that organization. So you have a very, very high responsibility with integrity and honesty. And we want to use that. We have to be excellent with our business. We have to be focused with our business and we have to have the organizational leadership to accomplish these goals that we have. So you'll have a, a, a staff, you know, and you'll have a board, and you'll work together to set those goals. Uh, but you all must, we all must still seek the Lord, get his guidance and direction, and what he wants us to do. Because what he wants me to do is different than what he wants you to do, what you do, Amy, is different than what he wants Teresa, Teresa to do. Uh, so everyone's different because you have different gifts and talents. Uh, organizational leadership is a dual focus management approach that works towards what is best for the individual and what is best for the group as a whole simultaneously. Okay, so you have to Look at that together. I haven't got to the point where in your notes you can write down, but uh, I'll get to the number one in a minute. Um, it's also an attitude and a work ethic that empowers an individual in any role to lead from the top 
the middle or the bottom of an, or of an organization. Um, so you are responsible, you know, to do that in a dual management approach. You know, what's best for the individual, what's best for the group as a whole, and what your goals are to accomplish. Some things that a leader must have, uh, there's many things you'll find, you know, what's the top 25 things, you know, Google and it's all there for you. But uh, I talked to our staff Monday night about core values. Your organization, your business must have core values. You know, what you believe in. Okay, we, we believe in the Bible. We believe in the Ten Commandments and the 16 fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God. Uh, you know, those are we believe in that. We believe in salvation. You know, but aside from that, what do we also believe in as an organization? Uh, first thing on your core values, you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are individually. And once you know who you are, then that sets the, sets the standard in helping others. If you do not know who you are as a person, your personality traits, your character traits, um, you know, your likes and your dislikes, um, and how you function, then it's going to be very hard to lead other people because you're just kind of dis discombobulated in your own self, you know. If you don't have peace, you can't give peace to somebody else. If you don't have honesty, you can't give honesty to somebody else and leave them. So know who you are. Uh, know the culture of your business. Okay, know the culture of your church. You know, in Harrison, we are more of a suburbia-type center, and uh, the parents there are more white Caucasian, uh, middle to upper class. Um, we, it has its problems like any other community with the things going on with drugs and those things. But, you know, we have all these neighborhoods that are around that are, uh, <coughs> on, uh, the, uh, it's, it's a joke, it's the parks of Whitewater. And they're building all of these new homes there. So they come pretty much, I'd say, with these cookie-cutter children. You know, and then that's just it. That's for them. That's it. Um, you know, and they're, the mothers usually aren't working or they're working in the home. Um, the preschool children come there, and they're 9 o'clock to 11.30. But we also have a daycare there. Children come full day, and we still have uh, classes within that realm of time that we teach them as well. But you have to know what that culture is and what those parents are. Now at Coltrane location, um, which is where we started, and then that's my little baby. I call it my baby at Coltrane. I got to take care of those little babies there. Uh, we have African American. We have families from Trinidad, Ghana. Those children are mostly all subsidized children. And they're like sponges. I love them so much. They just want, you know, your recognition. Hi, Miss Sandy. Hi, Miss Sandy. Hi, 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 hi. I said hi, you know. But they're just full of love. And, um, they're just so wonderful. And then we have to know the culture of their parents and understand them. When we have them come in, we interview them, register them, um, and talk with them. We've got to build a relationship that they feel comfortable with us. 
and uh, and there's ways I can talk with those parents that if I talk with the parents at Harrison, they would look at me like I'm so boring, you know. Um, and we can just met, 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 melt together is what I want to say. Um, and they're just so wonderful. Uh, that's my they're my special people. Uh, you need to know the morale of your employees. You've got to know the morale of your employees or your volunteers at your church. You've got to know the morale of those volunteers. You've got to, under that, you've got to share the same vision. You've got to feel enthusiastic about being part of the vision and working together toward defining the goals. So that one will be know the morale of your employees. Share the same vision. You cannot have people on your staff if you don't have the same vision. Their vision is one way and your vision is another. I'm a very visionary person. Um, I can just see beyond the next step of what we can do. I'm a growth person. Um, And uh, you've got to have people that can see that. I can share the vision, but then there will be someone on the team that will be... I don't know how that's going to work. Well, I don't know if we can do that. Well, we don't have the money. You know, you have those groups that are more analytical. You know, and that's okay. You need them. But you can't let them snuff out your vision, you know. Um, And then they have to be working together toward defined goals, you know. So this year, my daughter and I, she works for me. um, And I couldn't do it without her. So she runs the Harrison location. I do the Colerain, and but I manage all the business. She does all the daily operations. We both work with our staff members, uh, do team building, uh, uh, professional development plans with them, uh, and things like that. But um, we still have to communicate our goals and our visions to them over and over and over again. If I bring them into a meeting and I say, "Okay, what is our mission?" They should be able to tell us what our mission is. What are, what are our goals this year? So we're setting goals for this next year. That's step one. But I'm setting goals, and I told my daughter, for the next five years. Her and I are setting our goals for the next five years. Because the next five years is going to go fast. Because I'm going to be 70. And I don't think I plan on working. <laughs> you know, I want to work. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to do all this at 70, you know. And so, and that's when I told my granddaughter, too. She works for us. And so, you know, you've got to plan and train all these other people. People that's been with me for 12 years, for 11 years, for 8 years, for 7 years. You know, they are almost like a, a part of your family, you know. And... Um, they ought to be able to, if, if I'm not there, a parent comes in, or you have your church, and, you know, a pastor can't meet every person that comes in, uh, or, um, you know, or a board member, different people, you know, coming in and out. But someone should make that connection, and they've got to be able to know what the pastor believes, what the church believes, what their core values are, to be able to say, Oh, we love you. We're so glad you're here. Um, this is what we have. These are our values. There are our goals. We have children's ministry. We have uh, senior citizens ministry. Here, this is our senior citizens class. We can go here. You know, now some are fortunate to have 
all of those things. Some are not, you know, and that's okay. You sell what you have. You know, quit thinking about what you don't have. You know, sell what you do have. At Coleraine, we have a small location. We are only licensed for 58 children. Um, we have the best playground in that area of our competition. Um, so you sell that, you know, we're tucked behind uh, the community in another building. We're not on the storefront. You can't really see us from the road. People on my signs out there, I mean, it's, it's big, it's big as this, uh, but we're at the lower level that I lease from, the urgent care. So they have to go around, and many parents love the fact that we're just kind of tucked around the neighborhood. We're not out there on the front street because it's a very dangerous area. Uh, last summer, we just had a shooting behind us in the apartments. And, you know, 15 cops were up in the parking lot, and somebody was dead. Just up the road, we had another shooting, somebody was dead, you know. Um, so you you have to just know that, you know. So you sell what you do have and quit worrying about what you don't have. Our church doesn't have this. Our church doesn't have that. Oh, if we had, you know, the, all of this technology or, you know, Use what you do have and work at getting other things uh, and, and be okay at that. Um, the next bullet is know that every great leader is a communicator. You have to be a great communicator. Now, I, I fail many times. I'm like, I'm not the best communicator. I feel like I try to say everything I do and get it out there and I know that they know what I've said. But be clear, be consistent. And be comprehensive. You know, comprehend. They understand what that is and what you're trying to tell them. So be clear, be consistent, and be comprehensive. Uh, And consistent is. So many, and you know, I tell the teachers, you have to be consistent in your classroom. You can't be this one way, come in tomorrow, and you're another way. You can't crack down on them today, and then tomorrow, oh, I don't feel good. Oh, I had a fight with my husband. Oh, the children didn't get on the school bus. I forgot my kids' lunch. I just, you know, go in the classroom and just be all a mess. You know, that's not fair to the children. And that's not fair to your coworkers. So as a leader, I need to be consistent. I can come in with a bad day. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I have to be consistent in my leadership. You know, if I'm sending mixed signals to my staff, then that's not going to help them. Um, another bullet is, no, you need to improve your financial results. I mean, when you're in business, yes, you want to help children. Uh, Oh, yes, you want to sell T-shirts, you know, but you want to see financial results. Yes, we have a church. Yes, we want to save people. Yes, we want people to be discipled and grow. Yes, we want to reach our children. Yes, but we've got to train and teach our members what faithfulness, faithfulness is in their tithing and their giving. Sometimes we don't say it enough or teach it enough in our church uh, on tithing. 
uh, our young people. I'm not, if you're working, you need to tithe. I may not say it that long, but, you know, I've got grandchildren to work. For me, you know, in the church, cleaning, you need to tithe. You need to give. I'm giving you money. I'm going to see you tithe. That's a good principle. You start out with small and then work your way. When my husband passed away, I was like, oh, my gosh, that was a large income. You know, I didn't say it like that. It was after I got over, you know, but I was like, oh, man, what a great financial loss. Survive on my own. I'm a single person. I'm in the widow category, and in the giving, I thought, "Oh my gosh, we can't give like we did." But I want to say I give as much or more than what I gave when he passed away to many things. Yeah. I'm sorry to ask you a question, but you're talking about finances here. When you are looking into uh, the type, the type. And looking into, the, do you have income in the school or you don't have income? So we're looking into separate accounting here. If you have a school, yes, and you have a church, right? What do you have? I, I, I gathered you have a se- two separate stuff. So uh, we because you are, have workers and stuff yes. working for the children. Work for me. So there is income there. Yeah. So that income is the, under the church or under yeah. you as a separate me, as a separate entity. I see. We, at our church location, we just lease space from the church. Okay. That would be like me coming through the school building and I say, hey, can I use this much space? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm my own tax ID. I have my own uh, license number. And I just pay them the school building. So you are actually separate from the church because I got it. I thought you are within. Yeah. My other question would be, is the church is is the church income enough to support the expenses of the church on a monthly basis? The church's income is enough to support the church. Okay, but thirty thousand dollars a year makes it a lot easier. Extra. Mm-hmm. So your job is you just you are just leasing at the church, a portion of the church building. So your dying is your personal dying too, not the business giving to Right. My personal tithe is separate from what I came from my needs. It's my personal tithe from my income mm-hmm. from my business that I give to the church or give to missions or other missionaries. Yeah, because you mentioned earlier that we have to run a church it's like a business. I agree with you on that. Yeah. But what is the church business? Maybe it's not clear to me when you mention okay. that. Well, Aside from the money, from the offering and the time, what are the other resources your church has got? Because we are getting some information from you. Right. Um, other resources that the church would have would be what people. A church should only rely on their tithing. My church should not rely on, okay, the treehouse child care is here. We're going to get money from them, and we don't have to worry about it. Or we have a daycare in our church, and the church supports the or the daycare supports the church financially. Each the church should get to the point where it's financially liable itself, mm-hmm. not reliant on the daycare. They have a daycare in their church. Mm-hmm. Our daycare in the church used to be owned by the church. It was under the church's. Um, 
nonprofit status, mm-hmm. and we we came and proposed, hey, can we just lease this from you? We're not under you. Uh, we have a contract, you know, but we're not under. I have my own tax ID. I'm just leasing all of these square footage and writing a check out to you, whatever you require me to pay. So the reason is the income the church, so far as you are concerned, is just the income from the lease that you are paying to them. Yeah, the church has the business of the church. That comes under, they have it under line item. Okay. You know, it doesn't go under. Be as to yeah. where you are coming from. Did I make the help? Yes. Okay. No, it's, it's all right. Uh, did I confuse anybody? Okay. Um, but you need to make sure that you can have financial results. You know, you, it's got to do that. Uh, you can't keep running in the hole. I uh, started the business. I took out loans. I'm a risk taker. A visionary is a risk taker. And you also need to have common sense. I would have never done it if I didn't have the experience. You know, I'm not going to pastor a church. I didn't go to Bible college. Well, you know, I'm not saying God can't use me, you know. Uh, but, you know, I, those are things I'm not going to do. Uh, but I do know a lot about staff development. I do know a lot about uh, motivating others. I do know a lot about uh, rules and regulations uh, of the 5101, blah, 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 codes, you know, then it goes on. You know, so I do know a lot about that. Um, but a lot of churches don't want to hear, or pastors, anything about getting their church financially viable. We've got to do that. Um, when I first took out my first loan, uh, it doesn't seem like much, but it was to me because it was a big risk. It was 40000 And uh, the way that God worked everything out for me to get my building and all that was just a miracle within itself. But I took that loan out, and I thought, you know, if this doesn't work, I, I can at least handle paying that off. You know, I'm not going to go out and do no $1 million acquisition to get something. So it took me seven years to pay that off. So I did 40000 then I did 20000 to add more to our equipment. I invest my staff. I invest in my classrooms. I like my teachers to have things that they enjoy working with. And I think that's important, too, is to invest in your people like that. Um, you know, uh, we don't do minimum wage. Um, we give raises and merits on an annual professional level. But there are so many things, their attitude, their attendance, their um, um, professional development, how much they've done and invested in taking the classes that we pay for them to go to. Uh, some of them, we went beyond that, and they are getting their associate's degrees, um, and they're getting their CDAs. So they've come a long way, you know, from maybe being a single mom or a young girl, and has worked their way up as they prove themselves trustworthy. Um, so we're investing in them. But I can't say it enough how a church really needs to get themselves on good financial standing. That's very, very important. Um, know that you need to leave behind trained uh, mentors and leaders. When I leave, and I can't imagine that I'm leaving, <laughs> but when I leave, I make sh- I have to make sure I'm leaving behind trained leaders and mentors, people that we've invested in. 
I to think that uh, after 12 years, or if you're a pastor, you're in a church, how many times we've seen that a pastor leave and then everything fall apart? You know, well, the pastor needs to make sure, and it, but all, it's also the people too, you know. But if you have good leaders that can still keep the body going, then you can get through that until you get the next pastor that you feel God has for you. And he feels that he's there, you know. Too many times it's all went to shambles and tore apart. And all of that investment, people, you know, you're tied. You know, my kids are missionaries. They get offerings and they get money from supporters. They're very, very conscious about what they do with that. That's a big responsibility. When you have, you're in another country and you've got people that are giving you $50, $100, or churches are giving you 20 or, you know, that's a big step for those churches, small or large. And they're giving that to your ministry. And that's my hard-earned money, and that's your hard-earned money. And when you give to your church, the leadership has to be responsible to manage that in a very right way with integrity, uprightness, honest bookkeeping, standards to set, and it just can't be some, okay, we're writing it, putting it in, you know, without any accounting, you know. Um, And you need to have a CPA. Uh, Number one, the experiences of many, this is after the no, you need to leave behind training and mentor leaders. The experience of experiences of many mentors throughout my life. Leadership does not discriminate, okay? Leadership does not discriminate with what race, gender, uh, ethnicity. Leadership does not discriminate. And um, the people that's been behind me, that's helped me when I was uh, a little hippie girl, you know, how many knows the hippie era? Am I the only hippie in here? <laughs> uh, you know, back in the 60s. I loved the 50s when I grew up. Once I got into the 60s, I absolutely did not like the 60s. But, um, you know, so here I was, a broken girl, divorced, two children, got saved, went to my little Assembly of God church in Harrison. And I walk in, and these little ladies, they got their hair on their head. You know what I mean? Anybody still remember those pictures? And I'm wearing my blue jeans, my bell bottoms, you know. And but they took me. The pastor and his wife took me under their wings, and they invested in me. They didn't know me. I had not come into a church background, but I started going there. Then I started helping a Sunday school teacher. And then eventually I was a Sunday school teacher. Those were big things for me. And then, you know, pastor had asked me if I wanted to do a Billy Graham leadership conference thing. So we all, there were so many people in the church that they paid $20 or something. We did that in Cincinnati. Um, and I got involved in that. By this time, though, I was remarried, and my second husband was not saved, um, but my first husband was, it was a disaster situation, and I'm not going to go into that. But uh, God just brought me out of that. And I wasn't even serving God. But he had a plan for me. And I didn't even know it. And that's how it works. Yeah. And so then 
the pastor and his wife just little by little started meeting me. Uh, do you want to be a teacher at the daycare? Oh my gosh, a teacher in the church? Oh heavens, you know, I worked at a factory, you know. Uh, so I started working at the daycare. And then the pastor's wife was our administrator. So she started just training me, cultivating me, putting me in areas. I mean, did I get corrected? Yes. Why? Because well, I don't know. I thought it was a good idea to take the school agents in the church van up to my house and make cupcakes. <laughs> I'm an extrovert, you know, and uh, we still laugh about that. They're still living, and they're in uh, down there in Mecca City, uh, Springfield, Missouri. But um, you know, but instead of them like putting me out, kicking me out, they're like, you, you, you can't do that, you know. Now I've uh, been an administrator, and even back then, because they asked me to be the administrator back then after a few years, and so I know that, you know, and I'm like, I can't believe I ever did something like that. And that's just terrible, you know. And I was only right up the road. It wasn't like I went like miles out in the country. But um, the leadership that puts in you is, is really uh, like diamonds, you know, wearing diamonds in your life, you know. Um, so that was that pastor. And then uh, I'd say most of the people that's really helped me are my pastors that I've had through the years. And their wives, they've been mostly all good experiences that I've had. And then it's been other leaders, church board members, their wives, that has helped me. And uh, and I didn't get involved in all of the other things going on, you know, in the church. I didn't do the drama stuff. Um, but God had really helped me and put those people in my place. Uh, so leadership has no limitations. There's no limitations to leadership. But only a few can catch it and ride the waves. There's only a few that can catch it and ride the waves. Number two, leaders can't quit if they want to be successful. Uh, my own experiences, good and bad, failures and learning from failures, transform me into the leader I am today. And you have your own influences, your experiences, and your mentors that can transform your leadership as well. When I look back at leadership, it's not just, I'm talking about the neighbor lady that I remember that always let me come over. Uh, and maybe she just was really tired of me, too. I don't know, but she never told me that. She's still living, you know. And I just go over, a little girl, just want to go in her house. You know, I'm just so social. And I'd sit and she'd iron. Yeah, people ironed back then. Yeah. And take her clothes and unroll them that she had them in starch in the basket. And I just sit there and just visit her and talk with her. But her house was clean as a pen. <laughs> and I don't know why I think that made me be as anal as I am today with OCD. But she was a leader in my life. She was a mentor. And it was not in a place of setting my fist. And I think about that, those people back in my childhood that had that influence on me. Um, many of you have wanted to quit. How many of you have wanted to quit? Come on, be honest. You've quit. How many of you have quit? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, yeah, we've wanted to quit. Um, and it's just so easy to do that. Um, but I think 
depending on every situation, and every situation is different. Sometimes you need to quit. Sometimes you need to remove yourself from that. But that's where discernment and wisdom comes from God. You know, it is your time to go. Um, and I blunt when I have fat people come in and I, you know, talk to them. And I try to encourage them. I really don't think this is the best fit for you. And this is why. You know, and I try to show them. We do personality tests, uh, um, things like that, read personality plus in the workplace, so that each staff person knows the other person. You've got to know who you're working with and why you act the way you act, right? You know? And so um, sometimes they don't understand, or they may need direction, or they may need an encouragement to go out to do that thing that they need to do. Um, and we need to have a discernment for that. Um, you Sometimes we want to quit on our job. We want to quit on our marriage. Well, it's so easy to just go out and <laughs> shut the door, <laughs> you know, and uh, walk away from that situation. And it's so easy to do that. But sometimes the hard work is when you stay. If it's all possible to stay and work out that relationship. If I have two teachers in a classroom, well, you can be sure I'm going to have some problems because those personalities kind of, you know, clash. So I'll bring them in the office, and I'll sit A down, and I'll sit B down, and I'll let A say what they need to say in a very respectful way. They're not going to come in shouting and yell, and no, we don't do that. You know, B, you can explain how you feel to A. Don't look at me. Look at her. Give her the respect, because I work with women. Give her the respect and talk about it. And then I try to help them see how maybe they perceive that wrong or what they could do to correct it, you know, if that's possible. Sometimes it's not possible to make that work. And that's when you kind of have to look at it and go into uh, another evaluation and just see who needs to depart, you know, um, if, if it continues with another staff person. So if you can grow... That's great. If you're not teachable, then you need to go. Um, you will encounter resistance to your efforts when you change. When you want to change, you want to go a different direction. If you're in a boat, how many of you went canoeing? You try to change directions. That canoe is a little bit, unless you're an expert, kayaker, canoeer, whatever, you know, it's going to give you a little bit of flat there, you know, and trying to change. But you shouldn't give up. When you want to change, you feel you want to change. My, I had my naysayers when I was going to start the daycare. Oh, you can't do that. You know, how are you ever going to make that? My mother was very supportive. My dad was the naysayer, you know. Oh, Sandy, you can't do that. Now, how, where are you going to get this building? Where, you know, and, and my dad had his business when he was younger. I mean, he worked uh, in a company, factory in that. Uh, he was more of an industrial maintenance type person. But he had his own welding business on the side. But he never would take it to another level. He just left it be the weekend thing, you know, for my grandpa and, and that. And, and I've got brothers that are welders. 
I'm like, Dad, why didn't you ever do your own business? You know, he just couldn't take the risk. You know, that era, that generation wanted this, you know, put their money in the bank and keep it there and not bother it. Don't go anywhere. Don't take vacations and don't have fun. And, you know, work, 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 work. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you're not a risk taker. But when you want to take that risk, and I felt God wanted me to do it, and I'm not saying that in a just flip way. I mean, this is just something I knew when the Lord told me it, I knew it, and I should do it, and I took the step. Because I've served the Lord long enough to know, don't ever make a move unless you know that you know that you know. Don't. Very critical. Um, So you'll encounter resistance. Here's my scripture that's always been my life. And this is the one that I prayed a lot when my husband, before he got sick. Galatians 6, 9. Do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Be persistent. Don't give up. Calvin Coolidge. How many of you know who Calvin Coolidge is? Who is? He was president. Do you know which number? <laughs> no, I don't know because I've never... Uh, he was the 30th president. He said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Number three, communication and valuable uh, communication is a valuable asset. Leaders don't just talk about communication. They force communication. It's a two-way. It's kind of the walkie-talkie thing, you know. Uh, I've got... Um, grandkids, my grandson, he's 19, quiet as a mouse. You know, he won't say anything unless you, I can have to fool it. You know, Logan, what did you do today? Went to work. Okay, we're driving in the car. What did you do at work? Oh, they had me do this. Oh, how does that work? You know, I just want to know the details. And the other one, oh, he'll just keep going and going and going. We're like, well, Let's have some science. You know, um, but communication is two way. You know, so you have to uh, sometimes pull something out of someone uh, if they're not as open as you are or talkative as you are, trying to get the information. Um, never assume communication is as clear to others as it is to you. I'll you refer to my boss. <laughs> I always. Um, when I had worked for Brother Crabtree. Now, I'm sure his mind was in a million places being a superintendent. I mean, so many things would weigh on him and information. And uh, So he would come in the office, and he was a very early bird, hard worker. I tried to get in there before him so I could get my stuff started, you know. Sometimes I didn't work. So he'd come in, sit in his office, and he had a door, he could see me. And I'd be... Um, trying to get all these numbers down. I knew he would want to call pastors and I've got speed dial and I'm getting all that organized together. And the hours we started for the girls was really like 8 to 5. Uh, I get there like 7, 15 or something. He'd go in there before, and I know he was itching, itching at the bit to have me come in there so he could start giving me more things, you know. And uh, he go, oh, see, you don't need anything really right how I'll know I'll be in, you know. But I would go in, and I had to learn this from him. Because he would just go in and, you know, 
okay, this is what you do, this is what you do, this is what you do, call this letter, get this letter out, call this pastor, this pastor, you know, so he's got his thing, and I'm still catching up. I'm like, you know, I don't do shorthand. <laughs> and so I learned when he gave me instructions, I would repeat them back. So you're asking me to do this. This is what I'm hearing. So you may be one in your leadership when you've given a clear, in your mind, you think it's clear. His mind, he, it was out of his mind. It was off his plate. He threw it on me. He thought it was clear and concise. In mine, I wasn't quite sure. So I would repeat it back in a whole thing. This is what I'm hearing you want me to do. But it took me a while, you know, to get to that point and understand each other's learning styles. Um, communication requires active listening. We hear with different ears and think with different minds. I had a teacher call me this week at 11.30, left me a voicemail. Uh, of course I didn't hear it. I'm sleeping. So I woke up at 2 o'clock, and, um, and then I seen I had a text. There was another teacher who was having diarrhea vomiting issues, and she let me in. But then I saw that I had a missed voicemail, and so I listened to it, and it was the teacher. Oh, Miss Annie, I won't be in. I won't be in. I, I can't talk about it, but I'll explain it later. And she was all upset. So I go in uh, the next day when she came back. Uh, so I had her come in. She said, hey, I said, what was wrong? Can you tell me what the situation was? You know, instead of bringing her in, yeah, sit down. Why are you calling me at 11.30 at night? Blah, blah, blah. Well, it was a situation that was a family thing with her, and uh, she just got into an argument you know, it's always boyfriends, husbands, most of the time. Uh, sorry about that. But, um, and so, you know, emotionally she was not able to come to work. Now, I just want to say, uh, why don't you just suck it up and come in and get your work done, put your big panties on, you're a big girl, go to work, you know. But sometimes you need to have wisdom and discernment and mentor and train and listen, you know. Um, and I, I try to do that. Sometimes I don't. I just, sorry, you're gone. Goodbye, you know. But um, mercy is given and grace is given, but also discipline needs to be given. Uh, given. Um, so she was explaining what was going on and, and everything. And so uh, I listened to her. I didn't say anything. You know, just let her just say it all out, get it all out, tell me. And so then, after she was done, I tried to give her some guidelines. You know, I said, well, now this has come to the point where it's affected your job. So what can we do to avoid that? You know, this was her boyfriend. He's playing video games. Those video games cause a lot of problems in marriages. Um, he was playing video games and he wouldn't quit she wanted to spend time together and watch a movie and eat popcorn, you know, how we are, ladies. <laughs> and so she just went over there and cut the cord <laughs> on his Xbox or whatever. Oh, boy. Yeah. So he went in and took all of her makeup 
And he just threw it out on the floor. And she's uh, got a lot of makeup. She puts money into it. And, she, you know, because she just does things right. like that. She calls and petition things. And, and it, you know how those things go on. Uh, you know, just then it's another thing, you know. So it just got out of hand and out of control. And I hope they learned the lesson. <laughs> um, so I tried to help her and mentor her. And she goes, I know I shouldn't have done that. I, you know. I said, well, it's easy to look back. I said, but, I said, and all of that, you had a restless night, you're tired, you had a headache, a migraine, and it was all over that, you know. So, I gotta hurry up, I gotta finish this. Okay, sorry. Uh, Communication builds trust and commitment. When I communicate to you and you communicate to me, we're building a commitment, we're building a trust together. I trust you as my pastor, I trust you as my leader, I trust you as my administrator, and you trust me as your leader, your mentor. Uh, Number four, identify potential leaders within your organization. Uh, There's one thing to have potential versus performance. A lot of people have potential, but they don't perform very well. You say recording? Uh, Number four, yeah. Potential versus performance. Right before that. Many potential can perform, but do not have potential. The next one. Uh, are they invested in your company's goals? Are they invested in your church? Are they invested in what you believe and where you want to take your church to the level you feel it needs to be? Are they committed to that? I have a teacher that at my Colerain location, she's been with me seven years, and I know she's got my back. She is not going to throw me under the bus. And that's the kind of people. I don't want her to lie for me. I don't want her to be deceiving for me. Not at all. But she's definitely got my back. And she will cover and say, I'm not sure I ha- uh, I don't have the answer, but I'll check with Miss Sandy, and we'll get right on that and follow up. You know. Customer service is important. If you have people come to your church and they're asking something, don't stand around like you don't know the answer. You know, I, you know, I really don't know that, but I can find out and help them. And the same thing with you know anybody that you're working with. You have to have good customer service. Um, and then, are they invested in your company goals? Uh, <coughs> do they have time that they commit? You know, I worked in a factory. 10 hours a day and 8 on Saturday for almost a whole year. And I had two kids. Uh, I don't think I could do that now. I don't even want to try. You know, to stand in an assembly line 10 hours a day, 8 on Saturday. But I wanted to make money. I needed to get out of the situation I was in. And then that's what I had to do. I had to work hard and did that. Um, Are they a team player? You know, they have to be a team player. If you don't have a team player and they're not a team player, they're in for their own little section, then, you know, you got to, you know, they can't be a part of your leadership team. Um, are they a bridge builder or a tunnel maker? Are they a bridge builder or a tunnel maker? A tunnel maker forever digging but not getting anywhere. You know, they just keep digging. It's at the mall. The mall's in your yard. They just dig, and they're 
and you come home from work and you just see all these holes, you know. So is this person a bridge builder or a tunnel maker? Are they able to explain instructions, ideas in clear, detailed way? You know, so now you're looking for someone that you can put in leadership and follow follow you. And in talking a little bit more, we're going to finish this up about financial results. We talked about financial responsibility and what you need to do. But leaders take risks, but wisdom must prevail. And I talked a little bit about how I got started. But I did tell the Lord, no matter what I do, I've always given the glory for everything, so many ways he helped me to get to this point, the financial growth that we started, starting with one child one day. And two weeks later, we had a couple more children. And then just me and my daughter, you know, so we're just going, you know, teaching, making lunch, you know. Those were the easy days, you know. And then we had 30 children. Then we had 40. Then we had 50. And uh, we don't take infants because we're not licensed for infants. But then there was paying off those business loans. You know, your payroll went from four to five thousand a week or every two weeks to every week I mean sorry to um, and having about eight seven eight employees to twenty nine employees and making sure you have twenty five thousand dollars in the bank you know to cover that and then you're grossing um, $850,000 a year you know so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm almost at the million dollar bingo, you know. But I don't do that because I give back to my people. You've been here 10 years. Here, here's some money. Thank you. Thank you for being here for 10 years, you know. You've got a child that's hurting one of our former teachers. She's her and her husband are pastors. He's got cancer. They just found out he's 10 years old, been in Children's Hospital in Cincinnati. I can't imagine what that's. I know what it's like to lose a husband. I've lost my mother. I know what that's like. I lost my brother to cancer. But to have a child, you know, and I knew little Mason when she worked for us. He was like three. And he's at Cincinnati Children's. I call her. Well, I text her. Who calls nowadays? I text her. I said, hey, what can we do to help you? Can we provide child care for your other little ones? Because they live in Harrison. I'm sure getting them to school and your family members are exhausted. What can we do? We can give you free child care. You know, are you having a fundraiser? Oh, you're having a fundraiser Saturday? I get uh, sent a message to message to the lady holding, uh, uh, sponsoring it and hosting it. I said, what can I do? This was yesterday. And I'm like, well, it's Thursday. So I'm like, okay, what can I do? Okay. I said, how about bicycles? I'll stop and get some bicycles, drop them off to the location, and we can have the bicycles to auction off. That was an out of my way, extra thing I had to stop and do, but it's touching somebody. It's blessing somebody. That's what God allows me to do. That's why I'm glad. I can help a single mother. I can give them something. I can feed them. I could help them financially. That's what it's all about, is giving back, you know. We have 230 children all together in both locations. We have preschool programs. We have 
Christmas programs for all of them. It's a lot of work, but we love it. We have a good team that we built to invest in that. You are responsible for your organization's financial success. Financial health is important to sustain the organization through the years. You know, it's important. You've got to sustain yourself. It's not just for today. How are we going to look next year? Because we're going to have to uh, remodel that kitchen. We're going to have to remodel that bathroom. We're going to need to hire a youth pastor. We need to hire a children's pastor. How can we do that? You know, you've got to grow. You've got to motivate your people, you know, to see that and buy into that and see where you want to go and get them enthused and and help them. So that, yes, I'll donate, I'll, or not donate, you can say yes, I'll give an extra $1,000 of giving to support that pastor and his wife for this coming year. Or I can, I have a house they can live in, you know. So there's things that you can do. Pull your resources together. Decisions you make today determines your future tomorrow. What I decide today determines my future tomorrow. And that's important. And then I want to close with this. Of all the plans we can make, and we should, we should be planners. I think God had a lot of planners in the Bible, a lot of workers. Um, they all have different personalities, but he had a lot of planners. But when the Israelites were exiled, it's in Jeremiah, and they come back, He's telling them that, you know, you can survive in any situation you find yourself in. If you're in prison, if if you love God and serve God, you can survive there. If If you have cancer, you can survive cancer. I'm not saying get healed and be well. I'm saying inside. You can survive inside. If you're abused, if you're, you've been beat on, you've been cheated on, you've been poor on welfare, you can survive. It doesn't matter. Leadership has no limitations. But this is what God says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God has plans. Plans to prosper you. And I'm not talking about prosperity. It's inside to prosper you. If you can't prosper inside, you have nothing to give somebody else outside. And not to harm you. God doesn't want us to be harmed. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. How great is that? that we can go to God and he's saying, I'm going to listen to you. He doesn't shut the door to the office. He's got an open door policy. And I just hope that you're encouraged in your leadership to take your people, who you work with, take them to a level, challenge yourself to grow as a leader. If you can't do that, you're not going to be able to lead your people and you're going to end up nowhere. Just going around the mountain again another 40 years. Um, we don't know who that was. <laughs> so thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Hope you've learned some things.